Welcome to My Heart Songs Podcast number 208, When Too Much Is Not Enough, Part 2, Plastics. Remember the 1967 film, The Graduate, how the older man whispered into the ear of the up-and-coming, somewhat clueless young Dustin Hoffman, the simple word, plastics, as the moneymaker of the future. Well, here we are reaping the unfortunate harvest of that aspect of the apparently ceaseless industrial revolution. By 2040, plastic trash is expected to reach 600 million metric tons, an incomprehensible figure, and that, of course, is part of the problem. UNESCO estimates that ocean plastic kills at least a million seabirds a year and more than 100,000 marine mammals. Most of us will never see gobs of it trapped in the belly of a whale or strangling the neck of a sea turtle or view the infamous Great Pacific Garbage Patch. In 1997, U.S. Captain Charles Moore identified this phenomenon, actually eastern and western collections in the North Pacific, a trash vortex hemmed in by swirling ocean currents. There are five gyros within the world's oceans. These large systems of circular currents, really enormous whirlpools, are powered by global wind patterns and the forces created by Earth's rotation. One gyro keeps feeding floating plastics towards the center of these two large plastic islands. Non-biodegradable plastics deteriorate via photodegradation into smaller particles, many of which sink to the ocean bottom. Microplastics also block sunlight, adversely impacting the production of algae and plankton and the many fish and animals that feed upon that. We are talking about an estimated surface area of 1.6 million square kilometers, twice the size of Texas. And a 2018 study suggests there are 1.8 trillion pieces of plastic within the two zones. While plastics are pervasive, that does not mean all of them are essential. No one is suggesting we get rid of plastic syringes and other needed medical components made of the stuff. But that one-time-use plastic straw or bag I use only a few times, hardly necessary. Multiple solutions exist. Stop using plastic bags. Take cloth reusable ones when grocery shopping, going to the pharmacy or farmer's market. Use metal or glass containers to store grains, nuts, dried fruit, and other foods, as well as dish soap or other lotions. No straws unless I buy and carry along a paper or metal one. Always use a refillable water bottle. No throwaway ones. Try bamboo cutlery and non-plastic food trays when on the go instead of more single-use plastics. Whenever possible, buy in bulk and avoid plastic packaging. And the obvious but not always practiced recycle and don't litter. Clothing made from cotton, wool, hemp, and silk leave a zero plastic footprint compared with synthetic fibers which contribute to microplastic burden. When in doubt, do without, as my dad used to say, and that applies to plastic use as well. While individuals do what they can, and governments organize coastal cleanup days, adopt the beach initiatives, and pass more restrictions on the polluting aspects of marine commerce, this problem will likely only be solved if there is money to be made doing it. Private entrepreneurship shows up in the National Geographic Ocean Plastic Innovation Challenge. A French team created 100% recyclable, biodegradable, compostable paper technology. 
A UK company, Polymateria, continues to develop chemical additives to quickly and safely break down plastic products. The Netherlands has an ocean cleanup project transporting ocean plastic to build up artificial coastlines while protecting local marine life. A U.S. company, Four Ocean, cleans beaches of plastic trash and then upcycles the debris into bracelets and running shoes. There is obviously room for much more innovation on a commercial level to deal with this enormous issue. In his 2016 book, Half Earth, Edward O. Watson makes a compelling case for us humans, for the sake of our own survival, if nothing else, to agree to protect what remains of the intact systems that hold the planet in a steady state on both land and sea, with critical goals for 2030. Half of the planet protected by 2050, reserved for natural systems and the biodiversity and processes that basically support the rest of the world. We are at a defining moment. From clarifying the minimal critical size of Brazilian rainforests to assure species survival and their ecosystems, to just protecting even 30% of the ocean, which would significantly restore health to depleted species and benefit the entire ocean environment. According to the New York Times, 50 nations have joined the High Ambition Coalition to End Plastic Pollution, which is pushing for a treaty that will limit production of plastic with binding targets for every nation that signs the pact. Arthur C. Clarke, author of the famous 2001 and subsequent space sagas, once remarked, Nature always balances her books. That seems like a prescription for a more precarious uncertainty than we already experience. While we don't have a specific DSM code for the hopelessness experienced by many in terms of environmental destruction and climate change, we are moving in that direction. Solastalgia is the inability of finding solace in a familiar landscape due to environmental degradation. Ecological grief is defined as the sense of loss emerging from experiencing environmental degradation. And climate anxiety speaks to a feeling of anxiety in the face of climate change. There is a DSM section called Other Problems Related to Psychosocial Circumstances which includes issues associated with personal and environmental circumstances that many practitioners are now using to document these new mental health challenges. I know my own mental well-being is enhanced when I feel like I'm part of the solution rather than contributing to the problem. So my plastic-ometer is now part of my daily awareness practice. Thanks as always for listening, and remember friends and family can easily sign up at myheartsongs.org.